It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Chera, taken under a strong tackle. The tackle was Sarong, and that was a tough tackle. Thanks to Hard Yakka for a new breed of legends. Yes, welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. That was Tim Gossage's call of the Caleb Sarong tackle on Adam Chera, which has now landed him a week's suspension. We're joined on the show now by Fremantle CEO Simon Garlick. Simon, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Good to be on. Um, let's get the operational stuff out of the way first. Will you be challenging the Caleb Sarong suspension or will you be accepting it? Uh, we're working through that as we speak, Mark, um, as is the case with uh, a lot of the AFL timings. They're pretty Victorian-centric. So we've extend- requested the extension. We're supposed to finalise that by 9am this morning. Um, but we're just um, obviously weighing up all the elements, you know, particularly likelihood of successful challenge. Um, we're looking at it really closely. I'd suggest a challenge is more likely than not, but there's a few things we're working through um, this morning before we finalise that. I know it's difficult for you to comment, so I'll comment for you. We've got to a stage now where this is just a routine call. The caller, Tim Gossage, very experienced caller, saw it, just a routine tackle, hard tackle. The umpire saw it, saw it as a routine tackle. The Carlton players saw it, saw it as a routine tackle, and a player has been suspended for a week as a result of that tackle. I know we've got to protect the head, but I just wonder whether that tackle fits the bill as a dangerous tackle. But we'll move on from that, Simon, uh, and I won't put you in the difficult position of having to comment on that. Because I, I, I believe it's probably been a difficult week for you anyway. It's been a disappointing season. Tell us where you sit and how you feel about it. Oh, yeah, look, we're incredibly disappointed with where we're currently at, Mark. Um, we certainly haven't delivered against our own internal expectation and understand that we certainly haven't met those of our members and fans and, and obviously you know, those of the broader football um, industry, if you like, and, and particularly media. Um, and while that is the case, realistically, our, our focus is on doing all we can um, right now to turn that around. And, you know, there's no better challenge in footy right now than the Pies at the MCG this coming Saturday. So that's a complete and utter focus for us. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it's really important that we look to win as many games as we can on the run-in this year and stay in contention, um, while at the same time not losing sight of our overall objective of building a team and a club that can contend on a sustained basis. That, that's, a, that's our overarching objective. I know I've spoken to you about that a number of times and, and our members and, and supporters have heard me talk about that regularly. Um, but that remains unapologetically our priority and one that we certainly believe we can and will achieve. So you and I have had a number of discussions about this and we talked about progress not being a linear thing, but I I think we both thought there'd be a plateau maybe and not a sinking down to 14th on the ladder where you are at the moment. So what do you think has gone wrong for you this season? Yeah, you're right. I I, certainly agree. Um, You know, we've had a pretty... pretty, Smooth progression, if you like, under under JL since his first year in 2020 when we won seven games, um, 10 in 21 and 15 and a half last year. We, um, we, we certainly are very mindful of the fact that this game is as uncompromising and ruthless a competition as there is in the world. And 
you know, the reality is when you finish in the top six, um, you, you tend to you get a harder draw. Um, you're certainly not sneaking up on any side. The expectations grow. Um, and you well, you know well too, Mark, that we certainly made decisions at the end of last year um, um, that were all within our control that made us younger again. So we knew there was going to be some challenges this year. Um, it doesn't... It's not a rationalisation or certainly not making any excuses, but um, we haven't performed to the level that we'd like to, particularly, you know, the inconsistency in and in around the contested part of the game and, and the clearance part of the game. Um, you know, it might be a simplification, but, you know, the reality is I think that's where it's clear that our greatest level of improvement will come from us, you know, getting our game in order at the contest. We, we, we've vastly improved in our scoring capability and effectiveness last year off the back of a strong and consistent clearance and contested game. Um, and you know, what this year has shown more than any, I think, probably in the game's history, and it's certainly been the case for us to to learn some great lessons from, that you only have to be slightly off on any given week and, and you you get beaten. If you're a fair way off, you, you get belted. And, you know, we saw that on the week against Carlton a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago against GWS. Our, our job now is to recover from that, as we did after GWS and beat a, a pretty impressive Essendon in the following week. Um, and that starts this week against the Pies. There are always trends in the game, Simon, and fast footy, as they call it, or go-ahead footy, um, appears to be taking teams up the ladder, and careful footy appears to be taking teams back to the pack. Justin Longmuir, if I described him as a coach, I'd describe him as a problem solver, but also a coach who likes control and likes careful football. Does he need to change uh, to follow the trend in the game? I think all clubs and coaches are constantly looking to evolve. Um, you know, I, I think there's perceptions that, that can come about, and certainly, you know, Justin was, was vocal and speaking a bit certainly earlier in the year that you know, when the game hasn't gone our way or the opposition have got on top of us, that we have certainly become insular, and, and we know that. That's certainly not a directive and not a style of play that we're looking to continue to work with. And the opposite end of the spectrum, um, you know, in a game against the Bombers or when we beat Geelong early in the year or Sydney or, or Melbourne, all, you know, pretty significant sides in the whole scheme of things. Um, we saw dare and dash with ball movement, you know, from that perspective. And we'll certainly look to ensure that we're not looking to play it safe and worrying about making an error, which is certainly what it's looked like at times when we haven't had our, our game in order at the contest and beyond. So um, it's it's a constant evolution. Um, you know, Justin and his, his coaching group, um, along with the playing group, are, are always looking at ways that they can improve. And as you say, that certainly looks to be a trend that's occurring at, at a broad level. And when we're playing our best, it's something that we can do quite well. We've asked uh, listeners to text questions in to get you to respond to them, Simon. There's one um, fairly forthright one uh, from a long, he calls himself a long-suffering Fremantle faithful supporter, Ryan Fletcher. He said, time to get ruthless, Mr. Garlic. Let's get in the running for the best coach uh, available, best coach available. Time to get rid of Longmuir and chuck the hat in the ring for Damien Hardwick. Longmuir's coaching style is flawed. We can't start playing in the second quarter and expect to be competitive in many games. Please, please, please consider what is best for the club moving forward before we have another exodus due to having no direction on game day. Give us your thoughts on that. And do you think that's a widespread view amongst your members or do you think that's an isolated view? Oh, look, I, I don't think Ryan would be completely on his own, but I think it's a, 
it's certainly a short-term um, and narrow view. You know, not sure where Ryan was sitting when we won 15 and a half games. Um, you know, in the regular season last year, and and we're able to win a final. Um, you know, we certainly have been incredibly disappointed with our starts this year. It's a real issue for us. You know, giving away. You know, the first three goals of the game has been nearly feels like it's been a habit and then needing everything to go right. The Richmond game was a great example of that where we worked our way into it, but we're just relying on on too much, too few, uh, too few at the, uh, towards the end of the game to get us the result. Um, it, it's just such a, a short-term view. When we're building, you know, you know our history as well as any, Mark, um, there's precedence all over the competition of sides that off the back of a, a, a culture-based environment and a values-based program have been able to contend for decades, in Geelong's cases, for two decades. And um, we're just not a club that's going to you know, blink and, and jump at shadows just because it hasn't gone exactly as we wanted to it right now. Um, our organisation has, has, has played consecutive final series once in its in its history, you know, from 2012 onwards, four, four years running, and then we obviously fell off a cliff and after 2015. So we're making decisions that maximise our chance of winning every game we play in right now in the short term. But by the same token, um, we're not going to make easy decisions to you know, avoid short-term criticism at the expense of, of the long-term plan for us to give ourselves the best type of success. So I understand the frustration. Um, I get a lot of correspondence from, from long-suffering fans, as you, say, as you say, Mark, and I understand Ryan's um, frustration at what's occurring right now. Um, but we believe you know, there's a foundation with, with a cohort of young and talented players that are coming through together that are going to be the nucleus of, of a premiership-winning site, and, um, and we're not going to step away from that. More moderate question from John at Floriot. Uh, the loss of Josh Carr seems to have had a huge negative impact. Can Frio use an asset like Stuart Jew, who obviously the unfolding story this morning is Stuart Jew's departure from Gold Coast? Lots of teams have picked up ex-head coaches as strong assistants. Uh, I know it's a bit early for that, Simon, but um, would, uh, would Fremantle look at a player... Uh, or look like look at an experienced coach like Stuart Jew to bolster the overall expertise of the coaching group. Yeah, oh, you're right, Mark. It's pretty early. Out of respect for Stuart, he's been a great football person and made a huge contribution to the game, and has obviously had incredibly disappointing news come to him, um, you know, overnight it seems, and 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 being confirmed this morning. Um, so clearly not looking to go into specifics in terms of personalities. What I will say though um, is that. We're constantly reviewing. You know, this time of year in particular, um, we go over basically every cent that we have to spend in our soft cap. Um, we we analyse it with a fine tooth comb in terms of what we've done this year, and look at the number that we've got to work with next year, and think about how we can continue to improve our program. And one of the beauties of JL as a coach, um, amongst a number of his strengths, is that. He's always open to seeing how he uh, and his coaching program can can get better. So that's something that we're looking at with Ernest, and you know we haven't got any um, any concerns with seeing what we can do to to get better and who we might be able to bring into our program to help us. So you know that's something that's certainly taking place as we speak. Interesting the way the club or the team set up in this inside the centre square when the game went on the line against the Doggies a week or so ago, and then even at the start of the game um, against Carlton at the weekend. There were times, 
in the middle of the last quarter after Freo had hit the front where Erasmus and Johnson were inside the centre square. And uh, I, I'm not sure whether Erasmus was there for the first bounce against the Blues, but Matt Johnson certainly was. Is this part of this the short-term, long-term balance you're trying to achieve where you're trying to get big-time experience into these players, but has it come at a cost? Um, well, it was certainly an experience, Mark. The reality of, of um, where we sit right now is that of, of all the selected teams up to round 17, we're sort of the second youngest and second least experienced side in the AFL. Um, and we've been less experienced than every opponent we've played this year other than Hawthorne. Now, that's not an excuse by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's just the facts of the matter. And as I said, we... Um, we believe we've got a very strong cohort of, of high talent, high character young men. Um, they're as driven as I've seen a group in footy. Um, and you know the names. I'm not going to go through them. You've, you've listed a, a few of them. But the group that are 24 or younger that are coming through, there's, there's 12 to 15 of those that we think incredibly highly of. So for us to be able to get those sort of experience, um, and you raised Matt Johnson as an example, um, you know, he's played on Marcus Pontempelli twice this year in two separate games for extended periods. Um, the value for someone like him, who we think, and we think Matt's got an incredibly bright future, we're really pleased to see him commit long-term to the club. Um, you can't understate the value of, of that type of experience. So you're right, we, we, we're not just doing it to purely get experience into the players. We're trying to give ourselves the best possible chance of winning while at the same time um, understanding the benefits that... The investments that are made now are going to pay off in time. Um, the contracts given to Nathan Fife and Michael Walters. Michael Walters appears to be tracking well. He appears to still be a functional part of your forward line. Nathan Fife's body appears to be failing him, and you've got two more years of contract to run there. Do you regret that, or are you confident you can get more good footy out of Nathan once he overcomes uh, the foot problem that he's got at the moment? No, really confident, mate. It's it's the foot problem is a really disappointing one, but it's an isolated scenario. Um, that's most significant injury challenges over, I suppose, the, the the period before that were were really a for basis of um, you know how hard the, the type of player had been when the shoulders and, and other areas were just letting him down because of the load that he'd had to bear. Um, you know, he, you know how much of a professional he is. Um, his experience and, and professionalism around our younger group is going to be um, uh, you know, invaluable. Um, you know, the one upside of this current injury is that you know the those, those other areas I referred to um, are certainly getting a bit of respite, are getting better and stronger by the day. So he's, he's, the deal that Nat signed is very advantageous for us as a club. Um, He's a warrior, and, and I'm certainly very confident in the final chapter in that you know, incredible Fremantle journey yet to be written. There's a question from Noddy coming through. Um, currently, Fremantle have given up the below for Luke Jackson. So pick 13 from 2022, pick 5 from 2023, and pick 24 from 2023. Are you happy with that, and are you confident that the Jackson deal ends up being a good one for Freya? Yeah, I am, Mark. Um, it's, you know, obviously this is a point in time. Um, we didn't recruit Luke to necessarily, um, you know, change the world overnight, um, and particularly just in 2023. Um, 
you yeah, forget that he's a young 21-year-old ruckman who's you know, still finding his way in the game. He's been incredibly successful in that short career um, in terms of premierships and rising star and impacts on game to date. Um, but we all know the story of Ruckman who tend to take till they're 23, 24, 25 to really find their feet. He, he's doing incredible things for a player at his age at this point in time. He's a huge addition to our club you know, on the field, but equally off it in terms of the character he is and, and the, the, the addition to the, the culture that we're trying to build. Um, and we've seen already elements of his game this year that you know when he single-handedly took over the ruck after Sean went off at quarter time against the you know the the, the premier of, of 2021 um, in the D's at the MCG uh, and dominated that game. We saw him combine with Jai uh, and Josh Tracy against the Swannies earlier in the year. Um, that was a, that was the second time those three had played together as a young forward group. So we're pretty confident that when they've got 20 or 30 games together, they're going to be a handful. So I think in time, um, that trade will, will look as a very favourable one for the Fremantle Football Club. You did have an, a strategic plan, Simon, and we all know what a strategic plan is. It's what the, the, the club aspires to, but it has created, I guess, expectation and a standard to be held to. Um, one coming in from Carlos from Pemberton saying, ask Simon Garlic instead of making outlandish predictions about winning flags, get your coaching and recruitment groups in order first. Now, um, clearly Richmond had a stumble with theirs and their strategic plan is almost like the standard bearer of strategic plans across the competition. Tell us about strategic plans and what do they mean and uh, and is it a setback that you can't meet all the criteria that you set in your strategic plan? Oh, look, we, we, all, we knew there was going to be critics um, when we decided to release it publicly. There's a lot of clubs um, and organisations who don't do it, and I think it's very easy um, to not do it. It's certainly the easier path to take, but you know, those of us in the positions we are at the club are there on behalf of our members. They're ostensibly our shareholders, and they absolutely deserve to know and have an understanding and have input even into you know, what the club's trying to achieve on, on their behalf. So we won't for a minute step away from that being the right thing to do. We're not, we're not a privately run organisation that just does what it likes to do without consulting and, and communicating with its most important stakeholders, our members. Um, but we understand that we're going to get you know, criticised and there'll be, looking for, there'll be a number of people looking for us to fail against our objectives and, and trip up. That's the nature of the game we're in and the, the, the world that we... We operate in, but we'd much prefer to put ourselves on the hook and make commitments um, rather than playing it safe and keeping our aims and aspirations locked up in a, in a filing cabinet. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put everything we possibly can into achieving every one of the aspirations that we've set ourselves for our members and fans. That's where our focus sits. Um, we're just over halfway, and, and clearly, you know, we always want to be further advanced, but... We're, we're pushing 62,000 members um, at the end of this year. We're, we're averaging just under a kick under 46,000 attendees at Optus Oval. We're going to aim to get to 50,000 by the end of 2025. We're in the top five for, for average crowds um, behind clubs that have 100,000 members and operate at a stadium that has 100,000 seats. Um, we're profitable. We're pushing towards cash flow targets. Um, and, you know, the big one has us wanting to make sure we win a premiership in both AFL and AFLW. So we, we don't step away from that for a moment, Mark. That's, uh, that's a really important thing for us to do on behalf of our members and fans, and we'll keep focusing on what we can do to achieve those aims. 
Let's uh, finish on a positive note. Jai Amis, can he win the Rising Star? So had a, an amazing season for a 19-year-old, really. Yeah, he has. Um, Mark, we were ecstatic to have Jai commit to the club long-term. Um, and you heard him, him, Matt, and Josh talk about the path that they see the club on, um, the success that they potentially see them all having with that other cohort I talked about that are all committed to the club long-term. He's, again, an outstanding young man, um, incredible character. Uh, and he, the thing that I think people are starting to see is clearly he's got the capability as a lead-up forward to um, lead at the league, take a mark and kick a goal, but he finds goals in different ways. Um, to do what he's doing at 19 is incredibly impressive. Um, he's on track to kick 40 goals, which you'd think would have him you know, right in the frame, Mark. So um, I know it's not a huge focus for him and certainly not for us at club, but it'd be great recognition for someone we think is going to be a pretty important player for us over a long period of time. Simon, really appreciate your time joining us on the show today. I'm sure it's been a um, a hectic week and probably uh, a little bit of a week where you've had to have a helmet on down there and uh, absorb some of the criticism coming at the club. But we really appreciate you coming on and uh, putting the club's position in a forthright manner. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Mark. No worries at all. Simon Garlick, he is the CEO of the Fremantle Football Club. Obviously, they're going through a tough week. They have a tough challenge ahead of them this weekend with Collingwood at the MCG. Hopefully, they put their best foot forward. We'll take a break and be back with more after the break.